Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 281st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot. Short, rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back together once again today, here to get you ready for Carolina, Tennessee, this Wednesday, 7-15, in the Smith Center and in the inaugural ACC SCC Challenge, we're going to break down the Volunteers, tell you everything you need you need to know about uh, Rick Barnes's team, get you up to date on Carolina, and of course give our keys to the game and a whole lot more. But uh, first off, it's 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 good to be back. Um, Want to thank Anthony for holding everything down while I was in Dallas with the family. Um, enjoying a, a trip of a lifetime for us, which, of course, we're lifelong uh, Cowboy fans. Um, getting to see our team play on Thanksgiving, win on Thanksgiving, and not have to worry about writing articles and, and getting podcasts you know, recorded in a timely manner. Um, he did a fantastic job taking you guys through the battle for Atlanta. So I've got some thoughts and some takeaways because – about uh, my hosting? Uh, you don't you don't want those. Okay. Um, about what I saw because I was still very much in lockstep with what the team did, um, and I'll give you those in, in in just a minute. But we start every edition as we always do uh, with the pod thought of the day, and um, we go to uh, the former the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Uh, for today's pod thought, which is uh, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. And um, that's that's where we'll lead into really quickly my thoughts and takeaways from what I saw down in, 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 in the Bahamas. 
Um, Carolina, of course, as we all know, goes 2-1. and one. Big second half against Northern Iowa. Losing overtime against Villanova in the semis. You come back and you beat Arkansas uh, for, for third place. And, you know, I think going in, I think we would have 2-1 and one wouldn't have been bad. I think we all would have thought 2-1 and one would have meant they would have lost in the final, maybe to Arkansas, maybe to Memphis, the two best teams at the bottom of the bracket. But you lose to a Nova team that, of course, wins the whole thing after the way they just they blitzed Memphis in the first half of the final. Um, I, I I thought in those three games and and in each game and collectively, I saw more fight than I saw at any point last year, which was why I was disappointed in the loss to Villanova. Obvious reasons. First off, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. Second off, it's to a team that uh, we all hate, uh, and rightfully so because they took away a national championship um, from a team that, for me, is is still my favorite individual team I've had to watch uh, as or I've gotten to watch as a Carolina fan. But, you know, I think we said going in we were going to learn about our team. It's why we love these events. Um, and we I, I think the biggest one of the biggest things I took away is – I don't know ultimately how good Carolina's going to be. I think they're going to be really, really good. I think they're going to compete to win an ACC title. I think they're going to compete to be a Final Four type of team come March. But none of that matters if unless you show some fight, if you show some heart. And that was one of the biggest issues this team struggled with a year ago. Um, with the way that they got fouled, and 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 this event last year, Carolina doesn't respond. They don't they don't push back, they don't fight back, they don't talk back. Um, that didn't happen. Carolina got fouled, but they didn't get pushed around. And I thought that was really encouraging because, you know, toughness is a word that gets gets thrown around a lot with with Carolina basketball. Um, they're they're usually more of a finesse team and program because when you play the way Carolina plays, which is fast break, secondary break offense, wanting to score in the 80s and the 90s, you don't really get considered to be a tough team. You're not a physical enough team. I think Carolina's debunked that. All still while scoring, they scored you know, 81 in the loss to Nova. They scored 87 in the win over Arkansas. And those were two as physical a games you're going to play in November as you're ever going to find. Like, those were NCAA tournament type of games, the physicality that was played with those games. And and so I was really pleased with what I saw from a physicality standpoint um, from Carolina. And then the other thing is I think we all knew that Harrison Ingram was that guy. Like, there was a reason why Huber Davis took his entire staff to convince him to uh, transfer to Carolina. Um, this was a former McDonald's All-American. And I said all summer long, you put him in Carolina's system, he's going to flourish. He's going to be a better player. And that's proven to be true. Through six games, he has exceeded every expectation I had of him because he's Carolina's best player. And not only sees Carolina's best player, um, like Brady Manick did when Brady Manick got thrusted into a starting role, he's emerged as Carolina's vocal leader. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I ever thought that was going to happen, A, at all, 
and then B this quickly. I thought maybe Cormac Ryan, a fifth year player that did it that, that did it at Stanford and then at Notre Dame, maybe that guy comes in and is the 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 the, the leader that that this team was going to need. And, and Cormac Ryan is still going to maybe be that guy, and they're going to need him to be that guy. But Harrison Ingram brings so much more from a leadership standpoint than I thought they Carolina was getting in him. And it really just further validates my belief that they're going to compete to win an ACC title. And when we're filling out our brackets come March, it's going to be really hard not to pencil them in at least the second weekend of the tournament. Yeah, well, in terms of the leadership thing for Ingram, I, I think – he, he's probably the most visible vocal leader, but I think it's both him and and Cormac who are clearly leading the team vocally. Um, I mean, you see a little bit of it with RJ, but I think RJ is more and has always kind of been a lead-by-example type of player. Um, same with Armando. So for this group, they needed that type of guy because you could tell last year they, they lacked that guy. That guy that had fire was Caleb Love. The problem was that was Caleb Love when he was shooting the ball well, which last year was not often. So for this group, I mean, that's the thing that you like about these guys. No matter how bad a shooting days they're having, when they when it starts to click, they're going to let you know about it. Just go back to the Northern Iowa game for Cormac Ryan. He finished that game 3 of 12 from the field, but... When he was hitting those threes, you would have thought this dude was shooting eight of eight like Tremont Mark was for Arkansas. Like, it's just a different attitude. And that's what we, we said it so many times last year. Carolina lacked leadership, but they also lacked fire. They lacked, there, there was no energy at times. It just seemed like guys were, and I know they weren't, but it seemed like guys were willing to accept their fate. Where, I mean, it would have been easy to accept your fate in all three of these games. Like, you could have rolled over and gotten it handed to you by Northern Iowa. And, okay, we're, we're, we're basically back to where we were last year as a team. Um, you didn't. You came out. You put together one of the best second halves that we've seen from Carolina in God knows how long. And then you face Villanova. Eric Dixon goes off in the first half. You get bullied. That was a game you find a way to get it to overtime. And, I mean, look, ultimately you you end up losing. But that was another one where calls weren't going Carolina's way. Three guys foul out. It could have gotten ugly. And Carolina fought right down to the end. And then Arkansas, I mean, you come out, you get up 12. You feel like, okay, well, we're writing the wrong of yesterday, we're feeling ourselves. All of a sudden, Arkansas right back in it, sparked by just some random block that I, I didn't really understand why that changed momentum so easily, but it did. It also had to do with the fact that guys got in foul trouble. But you're down by three at halftime. It would have been easy to say, oh, boy, this is, you know, we're, we're, we're in trouble here. This is a team more desperate than we are to get a win. They, they, you know, we could leave here one and two. They never got down on themselves. They respond with another phenomenal second half led by R.J. Davis. And 
pick up a huge win. And that's the other thing. You saw so many different guys. Like, we said going in, what would the depth actually look like exiting this tournament? Did you see somebody that played this weekend? That was at, or this this past week, I should say, those those three days, that was a part of the rotation heading in. That you said leaving probably shouldn't be part of the rotation. Nope. No, everybody contributed. So this team really is as deep as we thought they were, because everybody made huge plays throughout the week. You know, especially I mean, the, the one that I think really stood out to me was how many different guys stepped up with Cormac Ryan out. Literally everybody that was filling his shoes, even Paxson Wojcik, made plays while he was out, and that's what you want to see from this team, and, and that's that's kind of where I stand with them heading out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it was... You, you saw enough of the right things to still come away, despite not winning a field that you were favored and expected to win. I, I still came away encouraged. Can I say I'm an idiot? Um, Everyone knew that because I I uh, I read way too much into Penn uh, beating Villanova. Villanova uh, is responding to what happened last year. Just like much like Carolina, they are motivated to prove last year was a one year folly. Yeah, and I mean, look, it it definitely sucked uh, losing to them again, losing in that way. I got to be honest; they're right. They're right on that level. Of Kansas, Kentucky, they're up there. Oh yeah, I can't stand them, man. They're definitely oh. a, a hated program, even though Jay Wright's no longer there. Um, but it it's something that, like, as much as I hate them and I envy them in a lot of different ways, because they they've got a title that I desperately want. I wanted uh, in a sport that needs its 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 blue bloods, and and I don't consider Villanova a blue blood. New blood, I would but, say. But, you know, yeah. it, it's a program that's got history and tradition. College basketball is better when they're good. Um, for for non-UNC fans, that game was fun. And it was good for college basketball on a day that was, you know, on a day that's reserved for the NFL um, and even the start of the, the rivalry weekend in the, in, the, in the regular season of college football that those premier brands put on a, a, a classic and the second most – uh, watch preseason a tournament there or an event that we get right behind Maui. Um, in some years, the Battle of Fort Landis is more anticipated than Maui. That wasn't the case <laughs> not, this year. Not quite this year. Um, yeah, it, it will be. It, it won't be next year because the Maui is is reloaded again next year. Which, of course, Carolina will find itself in Maui uh, uh, along with UConn and other programs. So, oh, lovely. Um, but you, you know, so that, that 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 was good to see. Um, for for the sport was seeing that type of game, those premier brands putting on uh, the type of show that they did, and um, you know that that was only really just the warm up for Carolina's non conference schedule, because now it gets it, now now it gets even more real. Um, starting with, with Tennessee, as we'll now transition to that preview. Look, the Vols come in preseason, you know, top ten team. There's tenth in the AP poll right now. Um, at four and two, they went one and two in Maui. They beat Syracuse before they lost to Purdue in Kansas. The two teams who were at the time ranked one and two uh, in the AP poll while they were at the Maui Invitational. Um, and and can or Tennessee could have won both games. 
Like they were they they yes. went one and two. They very easily could have went two and one. Um, they very easily could have went three and zero oh and and won the most stacked Maui field of all time. Rick Barnes' team is good. It's experienced. Um, the biggest thing, and we'll and we'll talk about him here in just a second. They've gotten a little bit more versatile offensively. If you if you follow college basketball, um, you know that Tennessee's been really good since Rick Barnes has got there on the defensive end of the floor, but they struggle to put the ball in the basket. Um, they've been a little bit more efficient so far. They were much more competitive offensively against the Purdue's, against the Kansases, uh, in Maui. But this is a team, a program that is built defensively, built with physicality. Um, and, and Rick Barnes is one of the best coaches in the country. And this is a guy that traditionally, whether it was against Coach Smith, whether it was against Coach Williams, this guy knows how to coach against Carolina. Um, and he will have his team prepared to come into what will be a a lively Smith Center on Wednesday night and test Carolina as much as any team has tested Carolina so far this season. Yeah, I mean, look, I watched a, a good amount of Maui, and this team is freaking legit, man. Like, Dalton Connect is a guy that I know a lot of Tar Heel fans were a little reserved on when he came out of Northern Colorado because they said, look, he, how good can a guy be from Northern Colorado? This dude is one of the most versatile scorers in college basketball this year. He can score just about anywhere. Um, and I think that's kind of what they were lacking. And then you got, uh, you know, Jordan Ganey, who's really good as well, coming in as a transfer. Like, th- they have two guys that have come in and immediately helped them scoring-wise, along with the guys that they're used to having. So much front court depth. And you talked about the physicality. I mean, there are so many different guys they throw at you. Uh, their guards are physical, but yeah, their they're forwards, especially in the middle, you are going to have so many different guys that they're going to throw at Carolina. If Carolina is not careful, one of the things that you take away from this weekend as a, or from the three days in May, I keep th- saying the weekend, but it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. One of the things that you take away from that stretch is remember when we talked about going in, what was the, one, what was the stat that out of all the stats you had, you went out of your way to put on the rundown sheet before the battle for Atlantis and when we were previewing Northern Iowa. And this their free throws. 7.7. Now, I didn't see how many Arkansas shot the other day. Like, I don't remember. I saw it clearly when I was recapping. But coming into that game, Carolina was allowing an average of 29 in the first two games. Yep. So... This is a team that's going to want to do that as well. With how physical they are, Carolina's got to be ready for it. I do wonder, though, with how physical that Villanova game was, was that what this Carolina team needed to be prepared for a game like this? It'll be different, too, because it'll be in your home gym, which Carolina has always seemed to play better at home, especially in these last few years when they've been struggling, they've always been much better in their home arena. I do wonder if maybe that game against Villanova actually helps Carolina in this game. Yeah, I mean, you would you would like to think so. 
I think it helped for some guys. I don't think it helped for Armando Baycott, um, who I thought on the Friday game against Arkansas, I thought he was soft. And I thought he was... He's just... I'm going to tell you. He was not up to the task, to the level that he needed to be. I love Armando. And Carolina... Carolina over... They overcame his deficiencies. He was a liability in the Arkansas game. He was a liability. Because he offered you nothing offensively. And I thought he wasn't strong with the ball. Um, which I thought was disappointing because this is a fifth-year dude. That you shouldn't be having those issues with him. And yet, here you are again. He looked worn out in that game, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, look, and part of that was it was your third game in, in three days. But he didn't play. He didn't play a ton. He didn't play a ton against Villanova because he was in foul trouble. Yep. And, and, and so, um, you know, Carolina's got to you got to learn and you got to you got to grow from that. The thing about Armando is he was. I mean, he he knew he wasn't good. He knew he wasn't the, mm-hmm. the level that he needed to be. Um, and and hopefully you know you get back home you, you know, maybe his you know he wasn't sleeping good or maybe maybe they weren't feeding him good I, maybe he got a bad Thanksgiving meal I don't know but he's gonna have to play bigger tougher stronger more consistently because you're going up against a team that they don't care they're gonna throw they you know like we watched a team literally body Duke out of the tournament last year. Like they literally just knock dudes yeah, out of the game, up. yeah. Um, and that's the way they want to play. And I think Carolina is good enough to play that type of game and win because they 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 had to they had to fight with Arkansas because that's the way Eric Musselman and it runs his program. Um, but you got to have your best players doing it because you're not always going to overcome one of your best guys not being able to 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 to, to really match the level. Of the physicality, you talked about Dalton Connect. He's your leading scorer, seventeen and a half points, four point seven boards, one point seven assists, shooting forty five percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three, three level score. Um, Carolina's gonna have their hands full, mm-hmm. and, and I think with the way that you know Dixon from Villanova carved up Carolina, and Mark from Arkansas, you know, well, the way he carved up Carolina, um, I think we knew. Once Leaky Black's time was was coming to an end, and we kind of we 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 would talk about it while he was here, we were gonna miss him when he's gone because he's the best perimeter defender that Carolina's had. We knew we were gonna miss him. I don't think we knew we'd miss him six games into the season. Carolina's got to be prepared because this is the best offensive player Carolina um, has seen so far this season. You mentioned Jordan Ganey, eleven point seven points. 2.3 boards. All off the bench, you know, by one, the way. 1.8 assists, shooting 38% from three. Don't even talk about, you know, Vescovy, a guy that's been around college basketball for a while. He was actually, I I don't know if we can confirm this, he was actually one of the original Italian explorers that discovered parts of America. I mean, I, So he predates Cormac at this point. That's that's saying something. You know, that's, that's a guy that when he gets going from the perimeter, he's good. This, this is... The, the, this is the best team Carolina uh, will, will, will have seen so far this season. Um, they're giving up 61.5 points per game. That's 27th in, in, in all of college basketball. Which how in the hell is that 27th? Because we've we've played three weeks. More importantly, this is the number one defensive team in terms of Kim Palm. 
When you look at their points per 100 possessions, that number comes down to 87.4. And so this is man. This is this is Virginia prep. This is kind of what you're going to see when you see Tony Bennett's squad a little bit later this year. We look at this game from the Carolina perspective. Carolina 5 and 1. Um they did drop in the AP poll down to 17th. Um, with, with the loss to Nova down in the Battle for Atlantis. Remained ahead of them by one spot, by the way. Which too. makes absolutely zero sense. You, I'll take it. I'll lo- take it. You lose the head-to-head. That team wins the event. But their loss, Carolina's loss, is greater than Villanova's loss, if you will. Um, of course, as we know, went 2-1 and one in the Battle for Atlantis. Uh, Carolina has uh, four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis's 18.2 points per game. Followed by Armando Baycott's 15.8, Harrison Ingram 14.2, and then Cormac Ryan's the other guy averaging double-figure scoring. And, um, you know, this is going to be a, 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 a good test of strength versus strength. And, and Carolina's a team that wants to get up and down the court. Um, you saw that in, in, in the battle for Atlantis. They, 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 that, that's continued. What we wanted to see or what we saw the first three games – against mid-level competition was, you know, a, a different brand of offensive basketball. We didn't know if that was going to translate in this environment. Once the competition got tougher, that translated. The rotation, you saw it the first three games. We didn't know if that was going to translate. Now, granted, part of it, because of foul trouble, you had no issue with the play dudes because you can't, I mean, unless you're going to play three-on-five or four-on-five, Huber Davis had to play other guys because that many dudes were in foul trouble. But, um, you know, I, I thought the offense did some things differently in in in, 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 in the battle for Atlantis. Um, I, I, think, I think you didn't know before that event how much offense Harrison Ingram can actually initiate. And now you know that guy in the half court is your offense. You're going to initiate your offense as much through him as much as anybody, A, because he can get his own bucket from virtually anywhere on the court. Three, three-point line, mid-range, he can get to the rim. But his passing, I think, is what's going to – as much as we talk about Elliot Cadeau's passing and the way it, it, it's changed Carolina in the open court and even in the half court, you go back to Friday's game against Arkansas – where they isolated him on one side of the court, and then he picked and chose what he wanted to do. He toyed with them because he could back his defender down and turn and score, or he could pass out of double teams to good perimeter shooters in R.J. Davis or confident ones in Seth Trimble, and those guys were able to make big, timely three-point shots. I thought that was as much a revelation as much as anything, and I think it's something that starting or continuing in this game, Carolina's got a, 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 a different offensive source. And we talked about this all summer long, that this roster finally can do the things that Hubert Davis wants to do. You want to play with three guards? Bang, you can do it. You want to run your offense through your your four-man with Harrison Ingram? Bang, you can do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was sensational in the battle for Atlantis, and he's going to be sensational if Carolina wants to pick up another big win at home. Well, I, I mean, I talked about Dalton Kadek being a three-level scorer. I mean, so is Harrison Ingram. 
Like, he just showed you that the other day. Like, he, he took what Villanova did to him and basically did the exact same thing to Arkansas. He said, ah, I learned something the other day. Let me do this myself. Um, his vision is insane, by the way, and Jimmy Dykes said it on the broadcast. I, I got to tell you, Jimmy Dykes, I thought, had a rough week in Atlantis. I, I did not. I was not a huge fan of some of the calls that he agreed with and everything like that. He made a great point of Harrison Ingram being a point guard. You could, you, it showed up in that game against Arkansas, and that's the thing about it. We've talked so much about the versatility that some of these guys have. Man, I mean, Jalen Withers is right there too. Like, he he is incredibly versatile. But I don't think anybody compares to Harrison Ingram. And the thing that I thought about Harrison Ingram, I thought he could create. He, he at times he was your half court offense. I I think R.J. Davis, especially against Arkansas, was your half court offense at times too. I mean, he simply just took over and looked like the guy that was controlling games in the middle portion of conference play last year before the injury to his finger. But I mean, yeah, this is. The first time in a while that it feels like Carolina is at a point where as long as one of those two guys are on the floor, and I got to be honest, with what we saw this week, the first two games from Cormac Ryan, I, I, I think Cormac Ryan could be a guy too that you could leave out there on the court and if you needed him to create offense for you because there's no, because RJ or Ingram's not on the floor, I think he's capable of doing that too. And for Carolina to be there already, I think that is huge because we knew in years past, if Carolina got into the half court and Armando was not on or they simply could not get him the ball in the post and RJ really wasn't able to take over the game, Carolina was in trouble. You had moments where Caleb Love could do it for you, especially in the tournament run. But outside of that, it just that that was not Carolina's offense at all. It, that that's why we preach so much. You have to go with a quicker pace. We want to see Carolina use the pace, and I think what they did against Arkansas was exactly what you want to see. They were strategic with when they used it, even running off of made baskets. But I think now. For you to have the confidence in a guy like Harrison Ingram, like Cormac Ryan, alongside R.J. Davis to create their own shot in the half court, that's exactly what Hubert Davis was wanting from his offense, and, and it's why you're seeing them have more success early in the season. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're potent. They're averaging over 85 points per game. I mean, think about it. They score 90, what, 91 91 against Northern Iowa, and that was on their worst shooting day of the season. You know, they scored 91, 81, 87 in, 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 in three games in three days. And so um, I, I think the offense is for real. And, and, you know, I think they've competed as as hard defensively as at, at any point they've so far under Huber Davis, of course, outside of the run to the, the national title game. But even then, I don't think they impacted the game defensively the way they have here so far in 2023-2024. Let's now get to our keys to the game. Um and then this 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 is going to be a fun one. Um it's going to be it's going to be a big one. It's going to be the first real atmosphere we've seen at the Smith Center. White uh, out. It's going to be a white out which is uh which will be cool. It, it, it'll make it easier. It, it's it's how whenever 
fans that are attending, when they walk in, they'll know, oh, this is different because we don't do this very often here. Um, the first one I have is match physicality and stay out of foul trouble. And the foul trouble is going to be, A, the way the game is called, um, what kind of you, – you would imagine you're going to get one of the, the, the better crews in the country – to help officiate this game. Um, I don't think the game is going to be called as tightly as it was in, in, in the Bahamas. Please, God, But no. you look at it from Tennessee's perspective, Maui was called very tight, too. And it was called like an NCAA tournament game uh, like, like, like you'll see later in March. But the first thing Carolina has to do is match the physicality. And this is where I think Armando Baycott's got to – Got to be challenged, and he's got to respond, because I I I was I was as displeased with him as I think I've been in the last three years since he really became the Armando Baycott we 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 know him to be and what we love him uh, for being for this team because I thought he was thought he was just soft against Arkansas. And I didn't think he competed the way that that Carolina needed him to compete. They were just able to overcome it because they've got other guys and they've got great culture. But to me, I think it starts with him because they're going to go at him. And they're going to, just like every other team has, that that, that has a big. And, um, you know, I I think you know that R.J. Davis and if Cormac Ryan's healthy to go and, and Harrison Ingram, those guys, they've proved in the battle for Atlantis, man. They're going to scrap, mm-hmm. and they're going to fight, and they're going to battle. Um, and it's it's why you love them. But for me, this is the the the, 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 the this game is going to be it's going to be a scars game. Like you're you're not you're not coming out of this game clean. You're going to come out of this looking like you got done doing twelve rounds with Rocky Balboa, and, and Carolina's got to be prepared for that. You went with the fake fighter. Okay. Okay. Oh, there's nothing. He's fake. not a re, he's not a re, you went the fictional fighter. That's oh. why okay. That's that poor phrasing. But don't, okay. Don't, don't. I would have preferred Mike Tyson. Just but because sure. you haven't seen the Rocky saga doesn't give you the liberty to I don't I don't need to. I don't um, need to. Waste know, the time. No, it's 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 maybe this maybe the best No, they are the best sports movies maybe have ever made. So So like saga? Yeah. Okay. Ah, I mean, you could probably make that argument. Yeah. So, um, but to me, that's that's sick because I think it, it starts and ends there. Like, if Carolina comes out ready to go, mm-hmm. and and they tell Tennessee, "Look, you're not going to come into our building, and you're not going to punk us," then we're going to be in for I think it's going to be a fun game. But this has the potential to where Carolina could get overwhelmed, and this is this has happened under Hubert Davis at times before, where Carolina. Physically gets has been over has been overwhelmed. Virginia will, will has been able to do it to him at times, and so the first thing Carolina's got to do is match the physicality uh, of this Tennessee team, and on the back end of that, stay out of foul trouble because yes, Hubert Davis is going to play his guys, he's going to rotate, but you're going to need Davis Ingram Baycott available to probably play. As much as thirty four ish minutes to give your to, to to give yourself a chance. Yeah. So basically, be physical without fouling. There's what you're looking for right there to combine that into one key. But I, it's, I mean, it's so crucial. And this is where I think Villanova really could pay off for these guys because you face this team already. You face the team. Honestly, I don't know if. Tennessee has as many guys like you are talking about with Villanova guards that were backing you down 
Like, I don't know if Tennessee has that many guards that have that same skill set. There, there are a few, but yeah, you're right. It really, you are really pointing to Armando Baycott, and you're probably going to see him at some point because as much as we say stay out of foul trouble, it's going to be hard to do so in this game. Jalen Washington's got to bring it too. You've got to be ready for a fight. I will say this, though, about Jalen Washington. I thought on the offensive end, Jalen Washington really fought through contact. I thought, especially early in that Arkansas game, he did a great job of establishing himself down low. He finished one through contact and came really close to finishing another bucket through contact. His thing is, can he do it on the defensive end of the floor? Um but I think that's going to be the thing for Carolina. You cannot get out-toughed in this game by this team because that is, I mean, that's the thing they're going to want to establish immediately. And it's built into just about every one of their players because it's it's the way Rick Barnes has always been. He's always liked physical teams. In the past, Carolina could match up with it, especially under Roy Williams when they were playing two traditional bigs. But... Now, you know, that's one of the things that you kind of wonder about is will they be able to handle it? I, I think you'll you'll see a group that's more prepared for it because I think against Villanova, I don't know if they just did not think Villanova would be quite that physical, but I think that'll serve as a, lear- a, a lesson learned for them and hopefully they'll parlay that into a good performance in this one against the physicality. The second key I have is create fast-break scoring chances. Um, you know, I've, I've been impressed with Carolina's willingness and desire to, to run and to push the tempo, but I also don't know, especially against the Power 5 competition, Carolina hadn't faced a team that deliberately wanted to make it a half-court game. Like Arkansas, not afraid to run. Um, and, and even Villanova, while they're more of a methodical-based, they've got the athletes to run. Tennessee has athletes, but they don't have runners. They don't have gunners. Like Dalton Connect can play up in the open court. Maybe Vescovy. Maybe maybe Ziegler because he, he he's, he's, he's a nice little guard. But outside of that, this is a team full of plotters, and they want to play in the in the half court. I like uh, that word. And, and and so Carolina's got to be even that much more aware, and there's got to be even that much more higher sense of urgency to get the ball up the floor, because I don't know if how many fast break scoring chances you're going to get, but if you create enough of them and you capitalize on enough of them and even if it's just I don't know eight points that could be the difference in the game um and so this has got to be something that RJ Davis Elliot Cadeau Cormac Ryan whoever is on the court when they get the ball understand we've got to race it up the court as quickly as possible and see if we can generate easy offense. Because if you can if you can get this game, I think, into the upper 70s, maybe the lower 80s, I don't know if Tennessee can can match you bucket for bucket. If this game is played in the 60s, 
Now, I'm confident Carolina can win that type of game. I think they're built to win that type of game with the amount of depth they've got and everything like that. But it keeps it, – it, it, it lends to you thinking that Tennessee – Well, you're playing their game. You're yeah. playing their game. And, and I think Carolina so far this year has done a much better job dictating uh, the tempo, forcing teams to play their way as opposed to playing the way the opponent wants to play. Let's continue that. And let's 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 get this game up and down the court as frequently as possible and and, and really convert the easy buckets that are there to be converted and, and really make Tennessee have to match you bucket for bucket. Well, the thing about that is is if that's the case, and I agree that it, that is something that Carolina needs to look to do, then you you better rebound the ball. At a, at a high level. You did the other day against Arkansas. You were plus 11 on the glass. That was the best you rebounded in Atlantis. And that needs to carry over because this is a Tennessee team who's kind of kind of middle of the country in rebounding. So they're they're solid but they're not great. And they're not but the thing is they do not turn the ball over really at all. They're averaging 10 a game. That is inside of the top 100 in the country. I think it might actually be inside the top 50 in the country. Sports Reference does it a little bit weird how they rank that. Um, so, I, I mean, I think Carolina's got to f- got to make sure that they dominate the defensive glass because that's going to allow you to get out and run. Also, though, be strategic with how you, you, you play made baskets because you did it against Arkansas about two or three times where Arkansas made a basket and immediately you inbounded the ball and got a chance going the other way. And it re- and it really impacted the game. There was one circumstance when Carolina was getting, I think it was right at the beginning of their run that allowed them to start to pull away from Arkansas. Mark makes a basket. Carolina immediately inbounds to R.J. Davis. He, he drives down the floor right to the lane and won. That, that was huge because it immediately stole back the momentum. So it's moments like that that, hey, if Tennessee goes on a mini 5-0 run, you get a basket like that, that can change things that quickly. And you're going to need something like that in this game because, yeah, if you get in a low-scoring battle like that, it's going to become like Virginia where every – possession matters. So you've got to have moments where you can pick up those easy baskets, especially against the element that we just talked about a little bit earlier, the physicality. Carolina's not the greatest team at finishing inside, but one thing they've done really well this year is one they've gotten to the foul line and when and two when they've gotten there, they have made their foul shots outside of that first half against Arkansas. Yeah, and the the last key to the game um, is uh, is put in here if we're under the impression that this is uh every every possession counts, which is limit your turnovers and make those free throws. Um, oh, there you go. And, I did. <laughs> and look, I, I think Carolina. You know, look, I, I always say when we play the way we want to play, I'll live with twelve turnovers a game because you're going to turn the ball over when you're playing the amount of possessions we want to play. But if this if this game gets stuck in the mud. And you're playing, and it looks like it's going to be a 65-60 type of game. Then 12 might be too many. Um, and I think for the most part, Carolina has eliminated 
some of the dumb turnovers. I think they've eliminated the the turnovers that lead to easy baskets going the other way. Um, they're committing more, you know, dead ball turnovers, which are the best turnovers to commit as opposed to to live ball turnovers. And then the free throw shooting. Um, you know, you 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 look at your starters. Your worst free throw shooter the first six games has been Harrison Ingram, just over fifty six percent. So you, which is a in some ways a good thing that you know Davis, Ryan, and then whoever else, whether it's Wojcik, Withers, like you. Those, hey, give give Armando a lot of credit oh, yeah. too, man. He has shot the ball well from the free throw line. But but Carolina's got get get got got to do those little things. Um, you know, because I think this is going to be a game where Carolina can get to the foul line 24, 25, 26 times. But if you get 18 for 26, that might cost you. You got to be at that 80% threshold or higher, 10 turnovers or less type of game. If If Carolina does well in those two areas, I find it really hard for this Tennessee team to come on the road and steal a win in what's going to be the, the most hostile environment they've played in so far this season. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you said that there'll be opportunities to get to the free throw line. There will, because Tennessee is averaging allowing 22.8 free throw attempts per game. So if Carolina is aggressive, they'll be able to get to the foul line. Uh, you mentioned it. That's the one weak point of Harrison Ingram's game, unfortunately, is that he is not a great free throw shooter by any stretch. Um, so I, I think... You know, the key is is for just about everybody else to make their foul shots. You'd like to see some start going home for Harrison Ingram too. You know it's you, you know he's capable of it. He's a good shooter. So it's there. It's just about unlocking it. But I mean, I think if Carolina can go to the free throw line and knock down eighty five percent of their free throws, they're gonna have a really good chance to win. And that's that's what they did in the first two games in Atlantis, and it, it it helped to win them the game against Northern Iowa, and it nearly gave them an opportunity to win the game against Villanova. So I, I think that's got to be a big key. And then turnover-wise, I mean, look, Carolina is 53rd in the country in turnovers this season. So, it, it, I mean, they're doing a great job of holding on to the basketball. And keep in mind, this is with a true freshman point guard that we knew was going to be aggressive and is playing a significant amount for Carolina. Elliot Cadeau, we haven't really talked about him a lot on here, but I mentioned it when we were recapping the tournament or when I was recapping the tournament. It did. This dude went there, played three games, turned the ball over one time with the amount of minutes that he played. This is a team that just feels like they are smarter with the basketball. Now, part of it is that you actually have more movement without the basketball, so when guys get in trouble, there's places to go with the ball. But I think it's just a team that's really learned. There were some moments against Northern Iowa. R.J. Davis had some turnovers against them that just left you perplexed. But Carolina bounced back, and I think in this game, they're going to know how important it is to take care of the basketball. There will be times, honestly, in this game where you will probably just have to tip your cap to Tennessee. They're a team that forces, their opponents are turning it over over 14 times a game against them. So there's going to be chances that they're they're 
they're going to just be that aggressive and make plays on you. But if you can limit it and get to the foul line, I think those are two areas that Carolina has done a great job controlling so far this year. And I think they have a chance to do that again. I would not, I, I mean, I know Tennessee's aggressive, but I feel pretty confident about Carolina in those spots and with the turnovers and, and I really even the free throws. It's the first time probably since 2018, 2019, I can say that. Carolina enters with a 56.7% chance to win the game, according to ESPN Analytics, who wins and why. If this game was in... Tennessee, I would not pick Carolina. I think Carolina would lose this game. I think the home environment. We talk about games that have environments, and there's the Duke game, always a great environment. State game, always a great environment. There's always these one or two other games where there is a really great environment. Usually one of them is a non-conference game. This is this year's great environment. I think the Smith Center will be rocking. I think these guys will feed off of that. And I think they come out and put together their best performance of the season. I think if they can stay out of foul trouble, I know Connect is a really good player. I've wanted to see, because I thought against Villanova, he did some really good things defensively and he just wasn't out there enough. I think Jalen Withers is the guy that could give Connect some problems at times. I think he's going to be huge in this game. I think you get a night, a, a big performance from R.J. Davis. I think Harrison Ingram continues to build on what he does. I think Carolina finds a way to win this one. It'll be close. I think it'll be in that three to five point range, but I think Carolina does it. I think Carolina wins as well. I think for guys like Harrison Ingram, Cormac Ryan, they'll see their first really big UNC home game. Do we know that Cormac's playing? Um, I mean, I would, I would hope so. I played on a torn ACL. There's, there's, there's no, there's no excuse for not being able to play, uh, to play. Okay, ninety six hours after. Okay, tell, tell a true story if you're gonna after a sprained ankle. Try to motivate I, a guy. I, I do think the environment will play a big part of it. Also, I think we're really, really good, and I think they understand what this type of win could do, momentum wise, confident wise, just really building off of what you did well down in, in the Bahamas, so I expect Carolina to pick up their first of many wins in the now annual ACC-SEC Challenge. Well, no matter what, we'll have you covered on the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com, where um, it's a busy time of the year for us with basketball in full swing. Of course, we'll have you cover with a preview recap of the game. Football, the regular season is finally over. Um, but the news is just getting started with all the, the 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 players entering the portal. The latest on the future of Mac Brown as Carolina's head football coach. All that and more. That's all for you guys on HeelToughBlog.com, where we'll keep you covered with the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't!
Johnson. Get it, he's sweeter than that. 